This is Seba, and this is episode 55 of season two. I wanted to come in here today because I had a win. I had a victory, and uh, that doesn't happen a lot, (laughs) but it reminded me to talk to you all about, um, well, you've heard about slow fashion, right, and slow food, and I think most of us have learned by now that that basically means doing it right, okay, so it's the the real stuff, right? And real stuff takes time. Well, one of the things I've never talked about before, although I do it, is slow spellcraft. You know, my sweet willow has always reminded me that there are things I do that I forget to tell people about. I forget to talk about it because it's so embedded in the way I operate, embedded in the way I am a witch, that I no longer have boundaries between my craft and myself and my daily life. And while I'm a big fan of boundaries, this is not a thing I want boundaries for. So I don't have a whole lot of time tonight. Um, The coven is meeting pretty soon. But let me try to do what I can here, okay, y'all? Slow spellcraft has all that same connotation to it as slow food or slow fashion. It's not for the faint of heart because most folks want an instant response to their magic. And uh, I don't know that we could blame them. (laughs) For emergency cases, I usually use emergency measures. And that can be anything from a little bit of ground ghost pepper that I grew and saved a tiny pinch back of. And a little black salt, which is critical in any witchcraft, to the stomping of my witch staff. But there's a certain thing I can do to make things come to fruition very quickly. The problem with doing something like that is it does need to be an emergency measure. It's a stopgap, really. Now, I've been angry enough in the past to stop everything with such an act. But it doesn't answer to all the nooks and the crannies that I want addressed, all the nuances of a situation I want addressed. It works better as, well, an emergency. It's like fast food, baby. And I'm going to get it quick and I'm going to get full. It just will not provide everything I need in a situation, which is why it's emergency magic. Slow magic, on the other hand, is the kind of thing that gives you the most satisfaction. And it's why very few people ever consider it for things like justice or revenge. They're too angry. They're too popped off. They want something right here, right damn well now. And uh, that's not going to satisfy them. If you are still that sure that a situation needs you to come along and put a spell like that down on it, you will be sure in six months, a year. And we need to get really honest about what an emergency constitutes around here in witchcraft, don't we? Just because you're pissed at somebody, honey. I mean, toddlers will count that as an emergency, but a grown-ass witch ain't going to. Not if they're being honest. Go out in the back 40 and break some, honey. That always helps me out. Cuss, yell, rant, punch a pillow. 
But be really careful about that instantaneous fire magic. As my students know, occasionally something will slip right out of my little hands. Uh, I call it drive-by casting, and I don't want to do it. I teach against it, but I'm also human. I'm also flesh and blood, and I almost always regret that I didn't keep a little bit better handle on my fire. But today, I and I've seen it before, but today I saw something come to fruition that I reckon... Well, I know when it started was a good long time ago, but when I started putting real work behind this damn thing was only about a year ago. So it took about a year, four seasons, all the moons to get to where I am. Because, you know, we can be pissed about a situation. We can want a situation to change. We can threaten we're going to do something about it. But until we actually get down to the real nitty gritty work of it and get our damn witch hands dirty, it ain't going to, it's not going to change. And this one I started putting work into. Mm-hmm. Now, we live on a fully organic farm. We have to care about everything. I mean, we cannot use certain chemicals on our property for anything, including laundry. An oil change cannot happen out here. So that's how serious my dedication is to this particular farm, tiny as it may be. And there's a damn power line. Mm-hmm running over my house, directly over it, and over my land. Now, we don't need that thing. Our power comes right here to the edge of our property from our neighbor's house, and that's our transformer. This is powering a trailer park on down the road and a very rich man with a pond. And it runs right through oaks and southern pines, And so much has had to be killed, and I had to fight. I know y'all remember, if you've listened to all my episodes, about how hard I had to fight to keep these jackasses from dumping poison down the easement. If you don't know what an easement is, look it up. It is the bane of a landowner's existence. It's horrible. I don't like all the magnetic waves going through the air. I'm not really crazy about the fact that it's not great for growing things or a farm. I hate that they're killing trees. I mean, I could go on and on. But it's the one thing about this land and this place that has felt invasive to me that I cannot fix. Once they have an easement, you can't do shit. Or at least, not unless you have a shit ton of money. To reroute an easement can be anywhere from 6000 to $20,000. And you can petition for that. But I don't have that. And so I started working on it. Part of one of those lines done fell. And when it did, of course, they needed to have it put back up. Right? Ugh. But before they did, I stood over that damn... It was a live wire, too. And I stood over it. And I threatened it. (laughs) I'm a fire sign. I I know how to work with this. (laughs) It was risky, but all good things are worth the risk. I don't advise you doing that. And a tiny piece of it had fallen away from the entire construction. I don't know if it had been a piece of rubber that had been attached to the, what do they call that, transformer or what, but I took that. Now, slow witchcraft, slow spellcraft, also requires the use of you getting involved in the muggle world. That means writing letters and... Sometimes I couldn't afford it in this case, but sometimes getting an attorney, you got to do the footwork. You got to really put your money where your mouth is on this one. And I did do all that. It just got us nowhere for a very long time. 
until I got this tiny little piece that fell off that transformer. And every day I looked up at this line, I told it that it needed to go on. And I talked to my great mother about it. And I talked to the trees about it. Now, I don't know what y'all think of me, but I talked to trees a lot. They kind of got their own council, you know, that you can go to and just needed them to help work with me. Anytime an electric man was out here, give him a little shit and hail and Shanola and make sure it was a big problem to have to fix anything like that on that line. You see, it would have made so much more sense as I put in all of my damn letters to that co-op. It would have made so much more sense to have run it straight down that highway and then locked it into that trailer park. Way more sense than cutting across a tiny farm and a woods and all those trees you got to kill on the way through. Way more sense. So today, when this uh, man came tromping onto my my lawn, I don't like anybody ever pulling up without calling first. Y'all need to be warned. Even if we're friends and you pull this nonsense, I may get... mm, We may not be friends afterward. I don't like it. I could be out there naked. Do not do that. Anyway, I wasn't naked. I was in the house. That's very good. And I walked out there, and these two men were out here. They had heard of me. (laughs) Of course, you know. I'm trouble. I'm good trouble sometimes, y'all. I'm a mess. And uh, he asked me if I was a certain farm. I'll leave the name out. And I said, yes, I am. And he said, yeah, I've heard about you. Well, I need access to your transformer. And I said, well, if you go that way, you're going to kill two pear trees. And if you go that way, you're going to kill a field of garlic. And he just stopped me. And he's like, you need to listen to me. I'm killing it. And I almost started crying. This means that... About an acre of woodline is going to get to regrow. And all that that means. Deer live in that. Rabbits, squirrels, snakes. It's gorgeous. It's birds. It's beautiful. And they're going to be allowed to regrow. Also, since they are legally letting go of that easement, we are now able to build right there in that corner. And I've always wanted a witch's cottage. Just a tiny little thing, you know, just enough with a little wood-burning heater and a place to take my writing out there and do some spell crafting and just really sink into my witchcraft as I become more and more of this wonderful hag I want to be. And that is now possible. Mm-hmm. Also, fully actually fencing in our land is suddenly possible, which can keep the armadillos out and keep our dogs in. And our dogs haven't been able to run or play. And I'm not crazy about the electromagnetic waves that come off this thing. That's going to be gone. This is a celebration. But it took so damn long. Now they're coming back out in the next few weeks to do all this nonsense. And I'm sure I'm not going to like some of it. There's going to be some tromping around to cut down wires and there's going to be digging up of poles. And I've been told I'm going to have to cut back one of my fig trees a little bit to get in a new support for the new line that just barely goes over our property. I mean by feet, y'all. That's all will be on our property is just this pole. But it was worth it. Any real thing you want, a new job, I've seen people get homes that had no money. You know, it takes time. It's not a wiggle of your nose. It's all the footwork and all the prep work and all the, sometimes the elbow grease 
But then that magic coming up underneath that thing and giving it a kick. Well, I'm telling you it was worth it. And I'm telling you also that I know that it was a result of magic. I felt it in my bones. The trees started to wave back and forth as he left, almost like they were waving by. (laughs) And there was no wind. This was a slow, crafted, collaborative effort between me and this land, my big mama. Anyway, I reckon that's what I mean by slow crafting. Slow magic, slow witchcraft, however you want to put this. It just, it has feet to it, you know? It has roots that go in really deep. There's time to work out all of the possible pitfalls, all of the things that could go wrong, ways in which you might not be going with the path of least resistance. And it is my contention that we always go with that. You know, go with the flow, go with nature, go with what is right. Because if there is a block in the way, if you're going that direction with your crafting, the way you're planning it, the way you're adding in the daily muggle work to go with that and underpin it. Well, it's going to go around the big rock, honey. (laughs) You know, it's a lot safer that way. And it's more than safe because, y'all, I have been notoriously um, unencumbered by things like fear and acknowledgement of danger in my life. Getting a little bit better as I get older. The wider my hair gets, the more careful I am. But it's more than just being safe. It's that you gave the universe an opportunity to actually agree with you. Are you feeling what I'm putting down here? You gave the trees an opportunity, the land spirits an opportunity, your ancestors an opportunity, or conversely, to disagree with you and change the course. So, I know, it's not that one and done we want so bad. It's not that quick pop, that fire we're looking for when we're good and pissed off. But just like you really ought not to consider discipline your kid when you're really fired up. I don't know. I, I mean, no, no judgment here because I've done it. And I'm certainly not thinking about morality when I'm talking about this. I am, however, talking about the effectiveness of your overall goal. And uh, if revenge is really what you're going for, remember, that's always best served cold, honey. And I think that works out because sometimes we rethink something, you know, or learn something we didn't know along that way. Anyway, it's roughly the same concept as growing a business or anything like that of that ilk. Because at the end of the day, slow growth is the strongest growth. That's why as a farmer, for instance, it's not always a great idea, y'all, to just pour nitrogen. I mean, well, you can burn the plant for one thing, but also they need that slow, steady growth to get their stalks, I'm thinking peppers here, to get their stalks going so that they can withstand the wind when they get large enough to bear fruit. Super quick growth, they're going to be, you know, knocked over at the first heavy pepper. And that's not what we want. So consider doing something of this. Consider doing a spell that you are, I don't know, looking at as something you're going to grow. (laughs) Grow your own spell. (laughs) 
and make it slow craft, make it slow witchcraft that has decided objectives and a plan with the work you're going to put into this throughout a certain span of time. I mean, it could be a week, a month, whatever, but definitely consider trying this. It works ever so much better than just grabbing, you know, a little sachet of specific witchy herbs and lighting it on fire and saying you're so mowed at bees. That works too, but just sometimes not with as much, I guess, gravitational pull. (laughs) It's not necessarily around for the long haul. And I just wanted to bring that up with y'all. So I guess I'm telling you to witchify your spellcraft because we're supposed to do it to every damn thing. All right, I have a letter I need to read. It's a good one. I'm way behind in my listener letters. And I want to remind everybody, I won't always have time to read all the letters I get. It's not that they're not valuable. They are. I will eventually answer to every one of them. (laughs) And if I miss one, if it's been a month or two, it means I, I missed it. It could be in my spam folder or I don't know. I thought I answered it. You're, you're more than welcome to write back to me, honey. Don't think it's you. It's totally me. Let's see here. Okay, y'all, I have a letter and she does give a trigger warning at the beginning. And that trigger warning is about religious Christian trauma and mama trauma. So be aware of that. I will say I've read through this and it's not too much for me, but if it is too much for you, I will talk to y'all next week. All right, here we go. My name is Mary. I am 30, and my pronouns are she, they. I am Southern, queer, neurodiverse, weird, pagan witch. (laughs) I love that kind of witch, honey. (laughs) By the way, honey is an equal opportunity designation. You can have any pronoun you want, and you're going to be my honey. So, just get that one clear, too. Anyway, she says, I live in the mountains of Western North Carolina and have started to make the mountains my home the past 12 years. I moved here when I was 18, and I've lived in North Carolina my whole life. I get a lot of flack around here because I'm not Appalachian enough, and I have tattoos and blue hair. A lot of the folks in these hills have a long history of not trusting outsiders and being screwed over by outsiders. Hell, gentrification and Airbnb is still screwing over these little mountain communities. Outsiders buying up multiple homes in the midst of a housing crisis to turn them into Airbnbs. So I get it. I promise to hold these sentiments with care and understanding as these folks are losing family, land, and culture left and right. It's okay if I'm not Appalachian enough. I get it. But I will always be Southern enough. Plus, the old-timers love to hear me sing. I know almost all 20 verses to Barberry Allen and am free hands to help around the house and garden so I win them over and charm them pretty quickly. Sometimes these old folks just need to have someone know they care and someone to listen to their stories. I can't remember the very first episode of the podcast I heard. One of the first few was the interview with Byron H. Ballard and I was just tickled. I love Byron. They are a bit of a legend to anyone who is a pagan or witch in this area. That interview felt like sitting on a porch shelling beans or sitting around my grandma's table drinking coffee. That's what that episode felt like to me, very warm and very familiar. I've listened to several episodes since, that in fact your voice has supported me through some really tough and difficult times. 
as you know all too well, it's hard and lonely for a southern witch. Downright heartbreaking at times. We all face loneliness at times, but boy, oh boy, the southern solitary practitioner feels very lonely at times. That's cool, the southern solitary practitioner. Somebody needs that one on a t-shirt. Anyway, not to be macabre, but it reminds me of an excerpt from an Edgar Allan Poe poem, Alone, and all I loved, I loved alone. Oh, I love that one, honey. Don't get me wrong. I have a few very close pagan and witch friends. My partner is supportive as well as a practitioner. I even have a spiritual accountability partner. I check in with her and she checks in with me. We dream of starting a circle. We have even had a few meetings and meals. But when I need to hear a southern voice remind me of my inherent growth and tell me how valid my magic is, I listen to your voice. That's so sweet. You are very dear to me, and I know your podcast helps people. Though I don't just listen to you when I feel sad and lonely. I listen to you when my heart is full and while I'm at work. I have two jobs, a bartender and a tea blender. And at the tea and plant shop, I listen to you as I work with herbs, blending teas, infusing oils, and vinegars. It adds more magic to my work, and I get that same warm feeling I spoke of. Feeling like we're all talking on the front porch, making t-shirts and snapping beans. So you see me on my good days and my bad days. Well, I hear you on my good days and bad days, at least. I am partially closeted, and I understand the danger that that word partial puts me in. The broom closet and the queer closet. My family has not been very accepting of anything like literally anything that isn't Southern, white, evangelical Christian. If it ain't Jesus, it's the devil, which the more I read about Southern folklore and Southern folkloric devils, the more I agree, (laughs) but that is neither here nor there. Though I cannot understand how they are so scared of everything when my mother taught me how to sing and my father taught me his love for animals and plants. These are not secular things in their house, but things of worship and mysticism. The things they say and do do not reflect each other. They are just about the kindest people I've ever met, and somehow the most judgmental. Dad has chilled out a bit in his old age, but Mom has gotten more fanatical, almost like a sick obsession. More pious, more puritanical, and somehow finds time to meddle and pray for everyone else except herself. I suppose we have to have complex relationships if we wish to maintain those relationships. Boundary setting is important, and I'm learning to work on it. The reality is, even though they will always see me as their little girl, I was never a cis girl, and I was always a pagan-slash-animist. I was taught that my body was sinful, and my body, mind, and talents were only useful to the Christian God and my future husband. I was taught I was only useful to men. I was taught I was a second-class citizen. My dignity, my honor, my very soul is less important than a man's. So yeah, I fought and fought hard, and I'm still fighting. My parents treat me and my brother differently still. I tell them the double standard isn't Christian, it's sexism. (laughs) Yes, it is, and my mother says that I'm ungrateful. That's only the surface of the religious trauma. The evangelical hell I was put through as a young person was ungodly. Thank goddess and the good green earth, I have a good therapist. Thankfully, my grandma was magical. She was Christian, but she laid hands and healed people. She dreamed and gave counsel to her community. 
She was a pillar to our family and her church. You should have seen her garden and her greenhouse. She loved me more than all those grandkids, even though she was quiet about it. I often wonder if Grandma's willingness to be so open scared my mother, thusly forcing her to find comfort in the chains of evangelical dogma, if that makes any sense. Mom just got steeped in too long with the bigots, and now that Grandma's gone, no one calls her on that shit except for me. Like I said, always to meddle and pray, but never to hit her knees and cry out and pray for herself. She has a southern accent, even if the sweet sound is prone to gossip. And it finds its way to everyone in prayer group and Bible study. And I know you know what I mean. So I just don't talk to her about my stuff. And most of my life is a secret to her. Our phone conversations and texts are brief. She tells me all about everyone's drama in the prayer group and all these people she's praying for. And I will tell her what I'm growing. My flowers, my herbs, or my indoor plants. She gripes about dad's weight or my brother's alcoholism. I remind her how the trees are changing. I share stories of the hikes and adventures I have. I try to describe how magnificent it is to look out from mountaintops. It's a lot of recentering conversation. I've gotten good at it the past 12 years. You see, Seba, I love her too much to give up on her yet. Even though I know some part of her is scared and ashamed of me. But if she wanted a carbon copy of herself, she could dress up a doll. And if she wanted obedience and compliance, she could adopt and train a dog. I am not her doll, and I'm not a loyal dog. I am me, and that frightens her and terrifies her. The sad truth is that people fear and hate what they do not understand. So I pray and wish for her from my broom closet. I pray that if she cannot understand, she will at least have compassion and not judgment. I pray that compassion blooms in her heart. And one day she will be able to treat all humans with the grace and dignity they deserve here on this good green earth. Thank you for being with me on my good and bad days, Seba. You don't know what it means to me. Hearing a southern voice talk about magic and trees and chickens. (laughs) Sending you comfort and warmth through the upcoming cold months all the way from North Carolina to Alabama. Blessed fucking be. Mary. Um... I'm going to just steal that blessed fucking bee and use it everywhere. Well, Mary, honey, I have had my own issue, as you well know. We can probably wrap that up in a nutshell. I was uh, the fall guy, the scapegoat, her first child, and I really never believed she loved me my entire life, not one time. And my grandma felt it too, I believe, and well, at least she said she did. And so uh, I'll never know if my grandma made me her favorite because... Well, because I just was or because she felt so, you know, badly for me (laughs) because it was very obvious, uh, very obvious indeed that I was um, not like the others. I was from a different marriage and, oh, I don't know, she just acted like she hated my guts from the moment I was a little tiny girl and adored the others. And I think that's when it made, you know, it made it so uh, noticeable (laughs) to anybody who was within five feet of her. Of course, not noticeable to them (laughs) because they were getting all the love and still do to this day. You know, I don't think I've ever had the balls or the strength or whatever it is to tell my mother to go completely away. The way it finally came down was she wrote to me one time and she was horrible to me a lot, but she wrote to me and um, 
told me she was gently closing the door on our relationship. And, and you know, I don't remember how many times she's done this in my life. Nine, ten, twelve, I don't remember. I mean, the first time she ever did that out loud, I think I was 13. It's just that this time, this time I couldn't take it anymore. I really couldn't. It had just been too much rejection, too much judgment, like you were saying. Just too much for way too many years. And she had done so much herself to me. And I'd remembered all of it. I was her oldest. And so I think in that letter she said something. I've got it somewhere. Just in case I ever get sad, I go look at it. It reminds me why I've got to stay healthy. But somewhere in that letter, I think she said she was gently closing it but leaving it open a crack. And I wrote back, well, I wrote back a 10-page letter to everybody in the family. But I wrote back, let's slam that son of a bitch shut. Um, Let's nail it. (laughs) I don't want it open ever again. It's too, it's just too painful for me. So my situation was a little bit different. And I think, I think each person knows how much they can live with and where that balance is and where those boundaries are for them. And just as in your case with my grandma gone, there's no one to stop her anymore. There's no one to hold her accountable for the way she treated me. And regretfully, what that also means is that there's no one any longer telling me that I'm good, you know, because I spent my whole life feeling like I was bad. And that kind of brought me around and you're way younger than me. But I've learned to, I guess, um, mother myself. And it took a lot of time and it took a lot of therapy, but only you know what you can do with her. I would suggest that you tell yourself that you are good and you're enough and you're whole. And I would tell myself that a whole lot every time I spoke with her. (laughs) You're not going to be able to change her, so you might as well go ahead and let that one go. I think that when we think we can change somebody, it really puts it on us to do both the work of taking care of ourselves and building ourselves up, as well as, you know, them. And that's just too much work. You know what, let me just stop right here. Don't even think you're asking for any opinion. So I'm going to stop and say this. I'm working on 57 years old. I'm a mama, and I'm a grandmama, and so my voice counts. You are enough. You are beautiful the way you are. Half in the broom closet, half out, whatever it is. So you just tell your little blue-haired, queer, gorgeous self that I say you're enough. Just totally worth every minute of breath you're having in your skin. Okay? How about that? Sometimes it helps to find women who can come in and, I don't know, beat down the voice of your mama. (laughs) I know I have friends like that. So I hope that my voice makes any difference to you, honey. And I'm just honored that I'm anywhere near your ear while you're doing all that wonderful magic. Because it sounds like at least one of your jobs, if not both, well, you're just a potion stirrer. (laughs) Look at you go. Little alchemist. I love it. Blessed fucking be, honey. I got one more thing I got to do today and then we will close. And that is this. There is a new podcast out and I just love it. So if y'all are a fan of anything spooky and paranormal, I have a podcast recommendation for you. Obscure Appalachia is a bi-weekly true paranormal storytelling podcast that will leave you with chills. 
Let Candace be your guide as she walks you through the history and eerie tales of the haunted hills of Appalachia and everything unexplained that lingers there. You can listen to Obscure Appalachia at ObscureAppalachia.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts. And y'all just wait. My voice is problematic at best. I don't know why any of y'all like it, but this little lady... Her voice is like melted butter over a biscuit. You're going to have so much fun. Y'all give her a listen. Now, y'all don't forget to witchify your Yule because that's coming up. You can always do one of those run into the woods with a bunch of cranberries and seeds and all manner of things and gift it to the trees so that all the babies will have something to have on Yule. That's what I plan on doing anyway. And don't forget, slow fashion, slow food, and slow witchcraft. Those are the best. That stuff is worth it, and it lasts forever. Love y'all like chicken. Blessed be. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the Deep South.